Psalms 98. I'm going to use this psalm to try to teach a very important truth that often um, I think this psalm can help answer a question that many people have. There's lots of things about Christianity and about the Bible that lost people often look at and they kind of get offended by. Uh, but you know, and uh, obviously there's a lot of things that are just going to be offensive in the Bible, but, and some things it's stupid that people get offended by. But there are some things I can understand how a lost person who's been brainwashed by the world, I can understand how they might look at something and get the wrong idea. And uh, I think this is one of those things that we're going to see here tonight. I can see where they're getting the wrong idea. They are wrong in their thinking. There's no doubt about that, but I do believe it's important that we're able to answer this question that they have, and I'll share that with you in a, in a few minutes. But first, I want us to uh, let's go ahead and read Psalms 98. It says, "O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for He hath done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm hath gotten Him the victory. The Lord hath made known His salvation, His righteousness hath He openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered His mercy and His truth toward the house of Israel." All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For He cometh to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the people with equity. So a lot of things just about praising here again. Once again, this is a psalm. This is just praising the Lord. But there are some great truths that are mentioned in there. And we're not going to go through every little thing verse by verse in here. I want to deal with one subject in particular. And one of the reasons is because some of the stuff that this, these, uh, this chapter says, we've already covered in previous weeks. You know, some of the stuff is repetitive and it's said in more than one Psalms. You know, for example, uh, if you look back at Psalms 96, um, and so, uh, yeah, Psalms 96, the last verse and you compare it with the last verse of 98, you know, it says, before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, uh, with righteousness, or he shall judge the world with righteousness, and the people with his truth. And so very similar thing is said there. This psalm is ended very similar to what it says in 96. It says with his truth in 96, with his equity in 98. So we see that a lot where things are repeated in, uh, in psalms. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. But before I get into the main subject, there's two things we, uh, we need to look at, or two ways that we can look at this particular psalm. One, we can look at this as a psalm, or it's a song about how God gave the nation of Israel victory in the past. Okay, it mentions, you know, in verse one, how he had done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. And when you read this psalm, you can see there, you, you can think of many times when they could have sang this song because there were many battles that the Lord fought for Israel. So just like a lot of our songs that we sing, Maybe we sing certain ones on special occasions or, you know, I'll sing, want to sing a specific song depending on what subject I'm preaching on. And, you know, we repeat a lot of these songs because, uh, you know, they apply in many different situations. And for Israel, you can see where this psalm could have been sung many times. And I think that's one way we could look at that psalm. But I think also 
not only is it a song about how God gave the nation of Israel victory over, you know, or gave them victory in the past, it's also a song about how God has given what you could say the elect victory over their sin. Okay, and don't, when I say the elect, don't get nervous. I'm not talking, you know, I'm not a Calvinist. That's the election are those who believe. And we could take this same psalm and we could apply this in our lives. Okay? I believe probably the primary application of this psalm when it was written, it was a song that the nation of Israel sang, rejoicing in the fact that God had given them victory. But let's look at this again and think of how we could apply this to ourselves. You know, singing to the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things, his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Okay? Who gets credit for our salvation? Jesus does, right? He got us the victory. His holy arm. Okay? It's His holiness that got us salvation, not our own holiness. The Lord hath made known His salvation. His righteousness hath He openly showed in the sight of the heathen. Now, how do we get saved? Somebody preached the Gospel to us. Somebody showed us the truth of God's Word. We were shown salvation. We were shown the message of Jesus Christ. And therefore we got it. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So he has been merciful to us. And those of us who are saved, we received his mercy, aren't we? And you know what? We say it. You know, the Bible teaches in Romans, they are not all Israel that are of Israel. Okay? And we see that because we're in Christ, we're Abraham's seed. And so, and spiritually, we refer to ourselves as Israel. So I think this applies uh, clearly applies to us spiritually. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. We ought to sing about our salvation. And we've talked about that. And that's something that we regularly do. We regularly do that. We just sang a song, Are You Washed in the Blood? In that song, one of the things it says, you know, are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? We're trusting in what Jesus did for us. Not in anything we've done for ourselves. And we sing these things, and we sing about it, rejoicing in our salvation. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, and with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For He cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, He shall judge the world and the people with equity. Okay? So we ought to praise the Lord with whatever we can. And when it's saying here, you know, let the sea rejoice, you know, let the floods clap their hands and all these things, this is basically another reference like we've seen many times to just nature itself it sings the praises of God. It shows His power. It shows His might. Whenever we see the beauties of creation, it is screaming out that there is a Creator. We talked about this last week. And not only is He a, a great Creator, but He is a holy Creator. You cannot look at this creation and not understand that the God that made everything is a holy God. So, this psalm today, while most of us in here, we've never been, you know, in danger of being destroyed by a physical enemy, especially as a church. Nobody's ever been camped outside this building trying to kill all of us, alright? Yet, alright? That, that day may come. But it's, it's not been going on. But, could we not rightfully sing this song? Is this song not a good testimony of what God did for us when He saved us? So I think this psalm is still very appropriate today. So just let, so let's note a few things about this 
chapter before we get into this main thing and, and try to answer, I think, some very important questions. So, first off, notice his holy arm that is mentioned. Alright? It mentions his holy arm. That's one of the things that's highlighted in this chapter in verse 1, his holy arm. In verse 2, it mentions his righteousness. That is another thing that's highlighted. In verse 3, his mercy and truth are highlighted. And then verse 4, it says, Make unto the uh, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth, make a loud noise, and rejoice and sing praise. Okay, make a joyful noise unto the Lord on um, all the earth. It mentions all the earth in there. And then in, uh, at the end of verse 3, it says, All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Okay? Keep that in mind. These things that it's been talking about, His holy arm, His righteousness, His mercy and truth, it has been seen in all the earth. Okay? Keep that in mind. And so, um, these, so what, what do we learn from this? What important thing can we understand for this? Well, what is one of the offensive things about the gospel? Why is it that people often get offended when we say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Okay, you say Jesus is the only way to heaven today. Autumn, what are you doing? You are condemning billions of people by that, aren't you? You look, and you are. Okay? So just understand, if you're a typical snowflake American that gets offended by everything, you've been taught to be offended by everything, especially if skin color is somehow involved. Alright? Even though we understand that salvation has nothing to do with sin, you know, skin color. We understand that Jesus came for the whole world. For many people today, their religion, you know, is, what their religion is, is based on the culture that they're from. So when we start saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven, when we start saying that there is only one true God, we are condemning billions of people. But you know what? We're not trying to be offensive, but it's just the truth. Because the Bible says, He that believeth not is condemned already. These people that do not believe on Christ, they are on their way to hell, and we're not helping anybody. We're not making anything better by sugarcoating things, by not telling the truth, and by holding back very important and valuable information. But you gotta understand, for the typical, you know, millennial today, that is gonna be a tough pill for them to swallow. That's gonna be something that's gonna, it's gonna offend them, and they're gonna say, what about all the parts of the world where they've never heard the gospel? What about all those Chinese? What about all those Hindus? And the Japanese? You know, what are these people supposed to do? And in many cases and in many countries, I mean, it's illegal to go spread the gospel. In many countries, you know, even the, even the internet can't really get to them because that stuff is all regulated and it's all controlled. I almost went off a rant about government control there. Some people have been irritating me lately with their, with them just being desperate to let the government control everything in the name of safety. That is what, I just, my thing is these people all need to move to China. Let me tell you something. If you love surveillance, if you love them keeping an eye on everything you do because you're just so honest, then you're going to love China. And why don't you get out of this country and stop ruining our country. But anyway, but you know what? Here's why they do these things. They want to control. 
They want to, they want to be able to control what information you're getting. And the message of the gospel, it can change a nation. And it has changed nations. There's no doubt about that. But in many countries, alright, you think about, you know, these little kids over there. I remember when we went to Jordan, uh, we were driving a bus and we'd be, you'd be driving through these big open areas and just kind of out in the middle of nowhere, you'd see a school. And just tons of little Muslim kids. You know, we've all we've always been taught to be scared of Muslims, right? You know, and that's just kind of how we are. We all get. I mean, don't y'all get nervous when you're around a bunch of Muslims? All right, you're always checking for bombs and stuff like that. I'll get in trouble for saying that, but you know what? We all think it. All right, we we've all been thinking since 9/11. I remember we were over there in Jordan. It was it was so cute. You'd go driving by these schools, and there'd be just tons of these little Muslim kids playing out there, out in the middle of nowhere. And they would see these buses come by, and they would all start waving at you. And when you would wave back at them, they would just like start jumping up and down with excitement. They were, I mean, just waving at them, thrilled them to death. And I remember just thinking, man, you know, how bad does their life stink that somebody waving at them in a bus is exciting them? You know, but and I'm not kidding. They would all start just jumping up and down with excitement because people on a bus waved at them. And I remember just seeing these little kids out there, you know, just innocent little kids, and you just feel sorry for them. Because, you know, these kids are probably all going to go to hell. Because they don't know about Jesus. They're not going to be taught, you know, they're not, you know, we can't send missionaries in places like that. They're not hearing the gospel. And so. You know, have you ever been there before where you do? You know, you'll see these videos, these people in these other parts of the country where it's illegal to spread the gospel and you see those little kids and you're thinking these little kids are probably going to die and go to hell one of these days because nobody's ever got, given them the gospel. That's not fair. Isn't that what we think? That's not fair. And you see the way these, you know, these little kids act. And did you know that little Muslim kids, they act like little American kids? They do. Little Chinese kids, little African kids, they act the same as little American kids in a Christian home. And you see that, and it's real easy to get offended by that and think, it's not fair. These people don't even have a chance. And that is often a big hurdle for people to overcome. And, but there's, and so there's some things we need to see in the Bible to help us understand this because I, I think this is something we forget because I'm going to tell you right now you know God doeth all things well our God is a just and a righteous and a holy God while we might see something and things might appear to be unfair they're not unfair and we just need to understand that but you know have you ever read the Bible before and this is something I've done before you know you, you read the Bible about how God chose Abraham and you, and you read the verses where God talks about choosing Abraham and you often think, what about everybody else in the world? Why just Abraham? Why did God focus so much attention on Israel and not the rest of the world? Must have been nice being born a Jew back then. It have stunk if you'd been born an Edomite or a Moabite or one of those people. Alright, does anybody ever read that stuff and just you kind of get offended a little bit and you think it's not fair? Or these people didn't have a chance? But you know, the truth is that that's not true. They did have a chance. And this psalm is proof, I believe, that the world always has had a chance. It's just they reject it. 
Okay? We are naturally prone as human beings to rejecting God. And we'll see some verses on that in a little bit. But let's look at, let's look at some proof that even in the Old Testament, the world had a chance. Look what it says in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 10. There's a lot of verses. I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna show you all the verses that there are on this subject. We're just gonna kind of scratch the surface. Okay, cause note, notice what it said there in Psalm 98. It says, He hath remembered His mercy and His truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. That's what it says. Well, when did that happen? You know, were they sending missionaries out during David's time? Were they sending missionaries out during Abraham's time? No, they weren't. How did they see the salvation of God in the Old Testament? Well, in Exodus 34.10 it says, And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among uh, which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible thing that I will do with thee. Okay, this is what, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, He's telling the work, all those that you dwell among, they are going to see what I do for you. And you know what? The world did see. Uh, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1-10. through 10. I'm gonna, There's several verses along these lines. It says, And it shall come to pass that thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all His commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and, and, all, and all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of the ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smit before thy face. They shall come out against thee uh, one way, and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses, and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee in holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. Y'all see that? And one of the things that we see examples of in the Bible is that when God would do these miracles for the children of Israel, the world knew about it. See, so how did the world know about it? They didn't have CNN and Fox News and all that stuff back then. Hey, they, there was, they still had news, alright? You know, it just traveled a lot slower back then. But people would hear the stories. We'll see more examples of that. When God would do these big things, okay? Every, you know, at that time, the, the, world, they knew about Egypt. They knew about the power of Egypt. People would travel to Egypt. And the people that would travel to Egypt, they would go to these other parts of the world and they would tell everybody about the things that they saw in Egypt. They would tell everybody about the pyramids and just you know the glory of Egypt and their power and that they weren't anybody to be messed with. Everybody knew about that. And when God ended up destroying Egypt the way He did, you know what? News spread. People heard what God did to Egypt. Everyone knew. Okay? The whole world knew. And when God started blessing Israel, the world knew about that too. 
Okay, the, what you couldn't tell the story about Egypt without talking about the children of Israel. They those things went hand in hand. Let's look at some more examples. Joshua four twenty three. I think this is a great example and great proof here that news spread and that the news that was spread was true. Say, so how did they get this news out? You know why? I think personally, the reason I think the news got out so good back then is because they didn't have the news media. The problem in our country today, we think we're informed because we watch Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, not realizing they're a bunch of liars and it's just a propaganda machine. But you know, back when news traveled the good old-fashioned way, people tended to get the truth. And I'll tell you right now, Jericho got the truth. Jericho got the correct news. They weren't watching CNN. Listen to what it says. This is Rahab talking here when she's talking to the spies in verse 23. It says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you till you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. Oh, this, that, I'm, uh, I wasn't at the spot I thought I was. I'll get to that one. Until we are gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. So God opened the Jordan rivers so the world would know. And the world did know. Joshua 2.8 And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the man, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what he did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token. Y'all see that right there? The people in Jericho, they knew what God had done. They knew that Israel was a special people. They knew that their God was a true God and their, to the point their hearts melted. But with the exception of Rahab and her family, we see that they rejected salvation. They rejected salvation is exactly what they did. Why would they do that? You know why? You know why? Because one of the things we see in Psalms that the whole world sees and the whole world knows is the righteousness of God. They have seen His holy arm. And you know why they reject Him? Same reason that they do in John. Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why they reject. Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know why Jericho, even though the truth had been shared to them, you know why they didn't get saved and why they were destroyed? Because they're, they were wicked. They love darkness rather than light. But you know what? Those of faith were okay. Rahab was okay. In Hebrews 11 verse 31, how did Rahab get saved? By faith. By faith Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Right there, she, she believed. And you see, it's like, well, they did believe because their hearts believed. Yes, but they... They rejected. They didn't accept that righteousness of God. They didn't accept that gift of salvation. 
and therefore they die. But Rahab, she believed. She's like, I get it. Okay? There were no soul winners that went there. Okay? She didn't get saved when the, you know, when the spies showed up. They didn't give her the gospel. They didn't tell my God. She already knew. And she already believed. Why? Because she heard the testimony of whoever it was that brought the news to Jericho. Hey, did you all hear what happened in Egypt? And they told. And the stories had spread about what God had done in Egypt. And have you heard? They're coming our way. And here we have Israel that basically have nothing. And you have Jericho that has these, a massive walled city. Israel doesn't stand a chance against a walled city, but they trembled. They were scared to death. Why? Because they heard the truth. But you know what? They all died and they rejected it. And one of the reasons we know that Jericho is such a wicked place too because you remember that God told them, hey, when you destroy Jericho, don't take anything. Don't take of the accursed thing. God cursed everything that they had. And remember, Achan took of the accursed thing. That's how wicked that city was. But thank God there was someone there. There was a remnant, although an extremely small remnant. And it's interesting too that the remnant that was there was a harlot in her family. Isn't that interesting? Just showing how God can forgive sins. And, how, and God would have forgiven Jericho too had, had they not rejected Him. And so, uh, just a great example right there. Let's look at it some more. Look at 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 34. It says, And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Hey, Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived. Solomon that wrote the Proverbs. Solomon that wrote a lot of the Psalms. That wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. The world had heard about Solomon. The world heard about what God was doing. And Israel during that time, the nation of Israel, I mean, it was at its peak during that time. I mean, God blessed it greatly. And what did we see? What did we read in Deuteronomy? God said, hey, if you'll keep my commandments, I'm going to bless you here. I'm going to bless you there. I'm going to bless you. Here. I mean, he's, I'm going to bless you like crazy. Why am I going to bless you that way? So all the world will know. So all the world will see. And after we had a right, they had a righteous king, David. Okay, they had several hundred years where they had a lot of trouble. Okay, after Deuteronomy, we've got the books of Joshua and Judges where they kept messing up. And then we get into the books of First Samuel, and they, you know, they demanded the king. They got a bad king, but then they got a good king. After they had a good king that loved the Lord, that followed God with all his heart. God bless him in a great way. Solomon comes along, who started out right. Solomon started out right, loving the Lord, doing things the right way. And God blessed Israel like never before. And you know what? The whole world knew about it. The entire earth knew. And the kings of the earth came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. 1 Kings 8.59 says, And let these my words wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord be nigh unto the Lord our God, day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times as the matter shall require. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. You all see that? He's, He's doing these things so all the people of the earth would know. 
Now, what does that tell you? Now, the dispensationalists and the Israel worshippers, you know, they they love to make it like you know you just you, you could only go to heaven, you could only get saved pretty much by being a Jew during that time. Even though we see examples in the law, we're not going to go into them about how you could become a Jew. People from other parts of the world were able to get saved in the Old Testament, and in many cases they did. Rahab was one example, and there are many examples of people that were not Jews physically. Who got saved? Even in the book of Esther, we see after God spared Israel, after God did a work for His people uh, in the book of Esther, the Bible says many people became Jews after that. Why, what, what, what did they do? You know what they did? They got saved. And they went and they adopted their custom and their ways and they became Jews. Well, what tribe were they in? Well, after they went back to Israel... Whatever tribe you dwelled among, that was the tribe you became. That's what the Bible taught. That was a part of their law. And God did these things even back in the Old Testament so all the world knows. God wanted everybody to get saved even back in the Old Testament. But they didn't usually. It was very rare. You very rarely see revivals in other nations. There are examples. Nineveh is a great example. But most of the time, you didn't see it. Why is that? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. These were some wicked nations with wicked people that rejected God. But they didn't, they didn't have to. They had seen the righteousness of God. They had seen His holy arm. They had seen His salvation. God showed it to the world even in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 19.17 Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. And this is when Sennacherib is coming after the southern kingdom. He's already taken over the northern kingdom. But during Hezekiah's time, if you go and you read those stories, it's a long story, they didn't have a chance. There, I mean, there physically was no possible way they could defeat this army. This army was powerful. Many of the minor prophets refer to this king and his power. He was going through and he was taking over the world. The whole world feared the Assyrians. And Hezekiah, he cries out to the Lord and he's saying, spare us so all the world will know. And you know what? God spared them. God spared them. The Assyrians were not able to defeat the southern kingdom during Hezekiah's time. And you know what? The whole world heard about it. The whole world, hey, this king that's more powerful than any that there's ever been, that's just taken over like crazy, did you know he couldn't get Israel? He couldn't get that little nation of Israel. Why is that? You know what? Their God must be more powerful than the gods of the Assyrians. Their God must be more powerful than our gods. Our gods couldn't even protect us from the Assyrians. So you all seen a pattern here? In the Old Testament, the world knew about God. They knew about His righteousness. We read that in Psalms and we're seeing examples here. <clears throat> My voice is struggling. Um, look at Psalms 19. And we've, and we've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth repeating. 
So not only did God show Himself and reveal Himself through these battles He won, through the ways He blessed Israel, but even in creation itself, it says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So what about all those Hindus? What about all those Chinese? What about all these people in these other parts of the countries? The Bible says there's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. There, the heavens declare the glory of God all over the earth. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world and them hath He set a tabernacle for the sun. And what are these things saying? What are the heavens declaring? We looked at this in previous weeks. They are declaring the glory of God. They declare the righteousness of God. They declare the power of God. All the, the holiness of God. They declare all these things. Just like I, I said, I think it was last week, the week before, you can look at art and it tells you something about the artist. When you look at God's creation, it tells you something about the Creator. And the whole world can see it. And you say, but it doesn't seem like that many people are accepting it. Why is that? Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's why. Neither cometh any man to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. In these parts of the world, these dark places in the world where there's barely any Christianity at all, the reason for that is because they don't want it. They have rejected it. If they wanted it, I believe they would get it. I believe they would be able to find it. But they don't want it. They've said, they've said no to it. So we see throughout the Old Testament, it was, all, it was always there. It was, you know, people knew about God. They knew about His salvation. Look at Colossians chapter 1. And so you know what? It's the same thing today in the New Testament. Say, well, you know, because we believe that only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Okay? People aren't going to get saved just by believing in God. Somebody says, well, I believe in God. Yeah, but do you believe in Jesus Christ? Because if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you don't believe in God. Okay? And that's a fact. I'm not going to go to the verses on that. But look what it says in Colossians 1, verse 21. And it says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Do you all see that? He said the gospel was preached to every creature under heaven. I showed you what kind of revival that was in the book of Acts. The gospel was preached to the whole world without television, without the internet. Okay? News spread back in those days. And it, and it right there, in, under the inspiration of God, Paul mentions, I don't think he's exaggerating here, it was preached to every creature. Everyone heard it. So why are some places so dark and so wicked. Because men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. What do we call that time before, you know, the King James Bible came out? Dark ages. It was the, it was the dark ages. It was a very dark time. But you know what? Thankfully, 
There were some saved people that God used to help get the Scriptures out. To help get the Scriptures translated into the English language. And what did it do? It not only brought a nation out of the Dark Ages, it brought the world out of the Dark Ages. It literally changed the world when people were able to get that Scripture. were able to get the Scriptures. Say, well, what about before 1611? Hey, they, they were in those Dark Ages because that was where they wanted to be. They were there because men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So what about new generations? Alright, so, well, alright, so the gospel's been given to the whole world, so we're done, right? Obviously not. But look what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. Because he's like, well, you know, China's bad because, you know, it was the previous generations that messed up. Well, just understand, you know, when God was declaring His glory to the world, declaring His righteousness to the world, and people kept rejecting it, there's consequences for that, okay? There's consequences for rejecting truth and disobeying God. And in Exodus 20, verse 4, it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Y'all see that right there? God is, the, the reason these nations are so bad is because their forefathers hated the Lord. They hated the Lord, and as a result of that, the iniquity, it was passed down to the third and fourth generation. And yet today, we've got these snowflake Christians that just can't handle the truth of the Bible. They're saying stupid stuff. They say stupid stuff. There's a stupid thing going on on Facebook that even Christians are saying. Where they're saying, you'll never look into the eyes of someone that God doesn't love. And oh, you know, that sounds so warm and fuzzy. Even though that's totally contrary to the Bible. The Bible has different things to say about that. But you all understand, there are haters of God out there. Okay, We are not supposed to love them that hate the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. Jehoshaphat got in trouble for that. Jehoshaphat, he loved Ahab. He loved Israel. He supported Israel. When they hated the Lord. And wrath was upon Jehoshaphat because of that. You don't love those who hate the Lord. And you say, well, that's mean. That's cruel. How can you be that mean and that cruel? I'll tell you why. Because people who hate the Lord, they put out generations that are going to go to hell. They put out generations that are just going to die, go to hell. And when you see these countries that have, and I'm not trying to be cruel right now, okay? What's cruel is these people and these preachers who are lying about this. These nations that are just completely black and dark, where there is no, you know, no Christianity at all. Do you realize they would be better off? God would be being merciful to them if he was just to swallow up that nation right now. And you say, how would that be better? Because then they wouldn't put out another generation that's just going to go to hell. That's going to put out another generation that's going to go to hell. Because that's what's going to happen. God says, I'm going to visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. But look what he said, but showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me. Thank God... That in the United States of America, 
there's been a lot of people in this country who've loved the Lord over the years. There's been a lot. I'm thankful that I came from a family that loved the Lord. That my my mom and my dad, they love the Lord. My parents, they serve the Lord. My grandparents, I've got one grandpa still living. Been faithful to church all his life. Loved the Lord all his life. You know, say, I, I had saved parents, saved grandparents, and then my great-grandparents, as far as I know, they were saved too. After that, I really don't know. I remember talking to my, my grandma and asking about parents, and she told me that they were saved too. So, I mean, you know, my, my kids that I know of are like fifth-generation Christians. You know, I, I'm really glad I came from a family that loved the Lord. And you know what? I would rather never have been born than to come from a family of God-haters. Because chances are I would have been a God-hater too. Chances are I would have ended up in hell too. And we see that the, the Bible warned that this is going to happen. Hey, if you hate me, you're going to be in trouble. Same thing happened with the Jews. You know, they said, what do they say about Jesus? His blood be upon us and on our children. And that has been one of the most God-hating groups that there has ever been since then. In 2,000 years, in 2,000 years, there's never been a revival amongst the Jewish people. And you know what? There's not going to be, despite what the dispensationalists want to tell you. There's not going to be. These people hate the Lord. And, and they're suffering for it. And they, and they always will. So it's like, so you see, you see all this and you think, so why bother going go soul-winning in other parts of the world? I'll tell you why. Because we're trying to find that remnant. Because you know what? There can be a remnant. We see in Jericho, there was somebody there, wasn't there? There was Rahab and her family. They were there. These were people that they did hear the truth and they believed it. And they got saved. And you know what? While places like China as a whole may never see a revival... There's always going to be some people there that will hear, that will believe the truth. You know, it'll probably never even be one percent, but there'll be a remnant there. We want to get those people, don't we? And you know what? Maybe there will be a revival. Maybe in some of these countries, if we can start building a group of people that love the Lord, you know what God's going to do? He's God's going to be showing mercy to thousands of them that love Him. And understand too, when it comes, you know, getting saved doesn't mean you love the Lord. Okay? There's a lot of people in different parts of the world that are, they get, they, they're saved. But hey, if you're not loving the Lord, if you're not keeping His commandments, don't expect to get the blessings. Even in America today, don't think that just because you're saved means that, you know, everything's gonna be great for your family and the next generations. No, it's for those who love Him. You better keep His commandments too. And that's why we have church. So we can be reminded about the commandments of God. So we can show that we show God that we love Him. So we can keep His commandments. So maybe our our children will want to keep keep on being Christians. If I just if I would you know raise my kids just to get saved, but not to love the Lord, chances are their kids probably aren't going to get saved. And you know what? I want this trend to continue. Of saved people being in the family. But it's not enough for me to just get my kids saved. I've got to get them loving the Lord. And we need, and so we're going to continue going soul in different parts of the world, trying to reach that remnant. 
We want to go in some of these other countries and go out on the streets and go out and knock doors and we want to give people the gospel. We want to find those Rahab the harlots that are out there because they're there. These people are there. While they might not ever be another great revival in some parts of the world, we can always try being merciful and getting those remnants, hoping maybe we will see a revival. And so that's why we do it. We're trying to find that remnant and we're hoping for a revival. I want to see what I would love it. I would love to see a revival break out in a Muslim country. I'd love that. That would be an awesome thing to see. But I can tell you right now it wouldn't happen with a lot of blood without a lot of bloodshed. But you know what? It could happen. It could happen if we get the gospel of these people, if they'll get saved and then start loving the Lord and keeping his commandments. But you know, it might not, because in some countries, you know what they'll do? In some countries if a person gets saved and they start living for the Lord, you know what that country is going to do? That country is going to kill them. And you know what? You say, well, then what? Then you know what? Now that country's lost the only light that it has. And you know what? They sealed their own fate. They put out the light that was in that country. Showing once again that saved person that they put to death is a testimony to them that light came to their country too, but they rejected it because their deeds were evil. So these countries that are dark, they're dark for a reason. And you know, it's okay to look at those children in these countries and be compassionate. You know what? I hope you shed a tear for them when you see that, but you need to understand that what is happening to them is not God's fault. That's not God's fault these things happen. It's... The previous generation's fault, and you know what? That generation's going to have their chance too. The heavens declare the glory of God in Jordan, just like they do in the United States. The heavens declare the glory of God in China. And you know what? Even though we got a lot of fake news out there today, the real news is getting spread in other parts of the world too. They're hearing these, these truths, but they're rejecting it. People who do not know the truth are, are in the position they are in because it's where they want to be. And so next time somebody says, well, what about all the people in India? They're where they are in India because that's where they want to be. They, they chose that. God doesn't owe this world anything. You know, If there's entire nations or cultures that's on their way to hell, it's their own fault. And in the meantime, it's our job not to just go being a little bleeding heart and just getting mad at God because not everybody's going to get saved. No, our job is, like Jude 1.22 says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to, hey, let's see if I can make a difference. Hey, you know what? I understand that, you know, countries like Jordan and China and these places, I understand they have rejected God and they are continuing to reject God. But you know what? I wonder if there's a way we can make a difference. I wonder if, if we went over there and we went and had a missions trip, you know, we could probably get some people saved. We could at least make a difference in their life. You know, if we go over to these Muslim countries, you know, if we could find a way to get the word out into these Muslim countries, who knows, we might get some saved. Now, if they get saved, we might get them killed. But you know what? They won't raise up another generation that's just going to go to hell. Those people are actually going to go to heaven. You know, 
maybe they maybe we can, they can have a revival in that country and things won't be so bad that the most exciting thing that ever happens to kids is tourists waving at them from a bus. That's how that's how sad it is in some of these countries. And our hearts need to break for these people, and we need to understand that you know, hey, God is not at fault anywhere here. These people are where they're at because they that's where they want to be. But what we just need to do is say, but you know what? I want to see if I can't make a difference. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have compassion. Yep, China deserves to be where they're at. China deserves to have everything that stupid liberal Americans want with the surveillance and all that junk. They, yeah, they deserve that. But you know what? I'm going to have compassion on them. I'm going to see if there's a way we can get the gospel to them. I'd like to see if there, you know, we can help, you know, get the Bible translated in their language and help find some way to distribute Bibles in those countries. Find some way to help get missionaries over there. Why? So we can make a difference. That's what we need to do. So Psalms 98, title of the message is All the Ends of the Earth Have Seen. They've, they've all seen. The whole world has seen the glory of God. They've seen His righteousness. If they start there, it's because that's what they want. So in the meantime, let's not get upset with God. Let's see if we could just make it our personal mission to be compassionate and try to make a difference in someone's life. That's all we can do. And that's what we should do. So with that, let's go ahead and stand. We'll go ahead and be dismissed with the word prayers this time.